Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome along Tottenham fans to another episode of our Oh and the Spurs podcast for football.london. Uh, joined by our Spurs writer Ali Gold. Good Hello. afternoon. Hello. Hello. And Steve Frugia for a This is a Farewell podcast, isn't it? Or uh, are we going to have one next week for you? Try and fit one more in. Yeah, one more in. <laughs> Just for you. A, ni- a, nice, a nice farewell. Um, it wouldn't be a good episode to, of the podcast to give you a farewell on no. after the weekend result, would it? Well, I was almost right with my prediction last week. I think I said one all, didn't I? And then Alonso's last minute... I don't think I, I don't think anyone on the the joint oh oh and the Spurs and Blues the colour podcast we did ahead of the game. I don't think anyone predicted a Chelsea win, did no, they? I think I went two one, but the other way. Yeah, I I, I predicted we wouldn't play well, <laughs> but then played it safe with the with the what's, draw. What's the overriding emotion for both of you after that game? Massive disappointment. Can't be any other way. Chelsea were enormously depleted. Sat essentially. A lot's been made of Conte's tactics. I'm sorry, he played what he had. Essentially, he had to use yeah. those players and just fair play to him, I suppose. Found a formation to use them and just kind of sat there and counter-attacked. But I kind of got I got a bit of flack after the game because my ratings were quite harsh. And Well, I don't think they were harsh, but other people did. Um, and people said, oh, you know, we played really well, but we just didn't win. I was like, but how many times are we going to say that? And for me... Playing really well means testing the goalkeeper a lot. And I really, other than maybe Davies shot and possibly, was it one Ericsson one? I can't think of Courtois really being tested the whole game. I don't think that's good yeah. enough. Yeah. It's, I think we did play well. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we just didn't score. Kane hit the, hit the post yeah. with, a, with a good shot. And yeah, it's, it's annoying that we've, after last season having a um, not losing at home and then our first home game of the season um, at our temporary new home and we've lost it <laughs> in the in the first game so Watch, watching that game what did you think was missing from Spurs if, if it was to be one player or one thing about about the way Spurs operated in that game what, what would it be I think as a as a team we played well but the there was a couple of individual mistakes and uh, Wanyama and Lloris for the for the Chelsea's winner as well I I don't know what can fix it really I, I just think the substitutions were wrong um, myself I think taking Dyer off was the wrong um, was the wrong thing to do I know he was on the yellow card and he didn't have he wasn't at the top of his game but I think he was better than Wanyama on the day so Maybe, maybe, maybe just having more options, more options around that sort of position. I mean, there's an argument. Larice was at fault on two counts for that second goal, in some mm-hmm. respects. Yeah. In that he, he picked up the ball. I I know that Spurs at that point maybe in the ascendancy slightly, and there was that momentum that had been generated, mm-hmm. and the fans were up on their feet again after Batshuayi's own goal. 
but I did just feel as he threw that ball into you know right into middle of midfield in a danger in a fairly dangerous area. Don't get me wrong, I think Wanyama was sluggish and slow to get the ball out of his feet and and, and move it on, but. I also felt it was a little bit of a hospital pass in a way in, yeah. in, in how Lloris gave it to him. Yeah, massively. Um, and that's one of Lloris's things, isn't it? It's distribution. It's kicking can be horrendous. Um, and sometimes, yeah, he was he was totally at fault for that goal. And I think, to be fair to him, he's one of those characters, he came straight out and said it, you know. And as I said in a piece after the game, I think maybe that's what just stops him being on that absolute top table of goalkeepers. Just those little silly errors. Yeah. And sadly, he seems to save him for the big matches. He'll yeah. pull off these amazing saves in other games. And then when it comes to these big games, unfortunately, just seems to let the side down sometimes. There was a, there was a bit of a heart-in-mouth heart moment um, when he... Uh, I don't know, if he, did he boot it against... Uh, was it Morata? Morata, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that could have easily uh, I mean, we, turned into something. Well, we spoke on, on the podcast last week about... Um, Obviously, Oli, our Chelsea writer, talking about the lack of competition Courtois has underneath him with, with them going out and getting Willy Caballero. And we kind of flipped that round and said that Michel Vorm's one of the best second keepers in that respect. I mean, Lloris making errors like that is going to leave him, you know, potentially a slight, his position slightly vulnerable. Possibly. I think the one thing with Loris, obviously, is captain as well, which just gives him that yeah. little bit of extra kind of safety net, doesn't it? But it's not as if Spurs are lacking in leaders elsewhere around the pitch. It's not as if, OK, granted, you, you don't want that scenario to unfold, but, you know, handing the armband over to mm. an Alder Vireld or a Vertonghen isn't, you know, there are t- other teams in the Premier League. Arsenal are probably a prime example where they're not, not blessed with leaders, are they? Whereas Spurs have leaders throughout the whole core of their team. Yeah, I'd, it would have to go on for a few games. Mm-hmm. If he had a bad game against against Burnley, a bad game against is it Everton after that, yeah. and then Swansea, then then Absol- maybe. Absolutely. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's got no chance of the opening goal of the game. But I just felt for that, and as I said, I think possibly the momentum and the excitement that that second got, uh, that the equalising goal had generated had possibly, you know, Spurs were almost expected then to go on and get that second goal. The kind of, you know, the fans were with them all of a sudden and then mm. Alonso comes up with that sucker punch. But these kind of mistakes just creep in in my mind as you said in big games. And they are without them being, you know, always detrimental to Tottenham. He does have a rick in him, and I, I've noticed. I found that kind of the reaction interesting from fans because a lot of, a lot of them are, I've seen on Twitter are kind of, slightly frustrated maybe that there's not more of a challenge to him there. But as I said last week, surely Vorm is one of the better second choice goalkeepers in the Premier League in that respect. I think so. I think yeah. I, I kind of saw a bit of a mix in the social media action. I think yeah, a lot of people saying oh yeah, if it wasn't for Loris, but. Then he gets a lot of protection. I think the fans will give him mm. a lot back. And I'd say with him, if we're gonna really, I think he gets maybe found out three, four times a season at the most. But it yeah. is it's like we say, it's just those big games. Um, it's a tough one with Vaughan. Vaughan's an excellent goalkeeper, but he's probably the definition of solid as yeah. a keeper. He's not one that's he pushes in a way with Loris, but probably not in a way that he's massively threatened yeah. Loris, which yeah brings us back to what we were saying last week absolutely okay um, what else what, what else went wrong 
let's let's have a bit of a a debrief well, you on said, Sunday. And you said which players, you know, which players? What were we missing? I'd say Trippier and Wanyama because it's just it was like a half, like a shadow yeah. of both players. And obviously, we're looking back in hindsight, but clearly neither were fit enough to start that match. Yeah. Trippier was the weirdest one because you know I, I did a scouting report on him so I was really watching him closely he just it was almost like he had a fear of the th- final third of the pitch yeah. whereas he's so used to being up there slinging in the crosses and he barely set foot there do you think he might suffer from a slightly different kind of pressure this this season in that he was always expected to be an understudy to Carl mm-hmm. Walker and in a way no matter how he performed, he was always it was always kind of going to be a bonus because he he was just so impressive in, in each game that he played. Whereas now he's kind of there is that now that expectation for him to push on. He's been given this new contract. He's been well, basic. We'll come on to Serge Aurier in a bit, but it looks as if he will be given a big opportunity this season to convince Pochettino that he can be a. You know, first choice right back for seasons to come, and I, I did wonder. I agree. I don't think he was fully fit. I did wonder if that that kind of mindset is all of a sudden, you know, something that he has to deal with now. Mm, I think, yeah, I think Sunday will give him fitness. I think next weekend it'll be his old side, so yeah. I think he'll just play out of his skin, probably whatever. But yeah, it'll be worth watching those next three games. I think we're pretty sure. I remember we asked him that um, in pre-season in America about the whole changing now shift in how his mentality has to be. And obviously, as he would, he said, you know, this is that's what I thrive on, that's what I've been waiting for. I'm not going to kind of shirk it or find it overalls me now. But yeah, I think we're going to find that. Yeah, certainly with the Everton game onwards, it's uh, the spotlight's on him. You know, especially, well, Walker's already been under the spotlight at City, um, and he's going to get a load of that spotlight himself. Yeah, and I think if you look at, Ben Davis last season when um, Rose got injured and Ben Davis was pushed into that starting position and he he wasn't great to begin with and after a run of games he sort of got into it and we saw that with Trippier as well when he came into the team he had played well in those bit parts but he sort of got better and better the more he played and I think because he's been out injured maybe he's he's lost a bit of that and maybe he wasn't completely fit but Hopefully, after a, after a couple more games and when he regains his full fitness, he'll he'll be the player that we want him to be. Interesting. But, yeah, I was just going to say he didn't get forward, which is what every, everyone says. His crossing is mm. is um, is one of his best attributes, and he just wasn't doing that. And when Strange. he did get a crossing, it created problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just didn't work. Do you think? Do you think Chelsea won the wing back battle? <sighs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, they won the match. They won the width. Only, I mean, Davies got into some positions. I, I, I noticed Jermaine Genus did quite an interesting kind of breakdown of of Spurs, you know, a bit of an analysis of their tactics on match of day two. And there was a, there was an incident in the second half I found really interesting where Ben Davis was in a fairly attacking position on the on the left hand side, and Deli Ali looked out to him had the ball at his feet looking at Davis and turned back inside and went into a more congested area when Davis had all the space and there was another incident moments later where Ericsson was then on the ball and I think the ball eventually went out to Davis 
but he was almost looking to play the ball inside Rudiger and Christensen into that kind of that space that he'd almost just know that Danny Rose was was going to mm. vacate and I felt like it watching that back watching that very closely in focus it did look like it hindered Spurs a little bit because Ali and Eriksen were so narrow yeah yeah I think well yeah it's been kind of quite widely said hasn't it uh, Trippier and Davies are incredibly different to Rose and Walker you know <clears throat> that was I think that's going to be one of Pochettino's biggest problems this season is that all his width came from Rose and Walker and Davies and Trippier are not going to provide that kind of width which is maybe why you know we might find in these last what was it eight nine days that he's going to have to bring in a winger type player just to have a different option but the only thing I would say about Deli Alley and I've really noticed it probably in the last five six games he's so selective with who he passes to it's incredible honestly there's so few players he actually trusts with the ball um, I've kind of again I was watching Carl Walker Peters really closely in the Newcastle game Deli Alley didn't give him the ball until about the 75th 80th minute he just every time he looked up saw him exactly what you said cut inside and pass to someone like Ericsson it was only at the end when you could see Walker Peters had got his confidence played a couple of balls out to him whether that's part of the kind of makeup of Ali you know he's um, maybe he's got to that stage where he looks down slightly on certain players yeah. I, did, I did notice a few times that Ali was getting frustrated when say Harry Kane or Ericsson didn't pass into, oh, into yeah. him as well so it, like it's sort of happening to him as well as him doing it to other people. Maybe that's something as a team that that needs to needs to be looked at about trusting the players yeah. and whether going ahead on your own is better than than um, than passing it. But I did notice that Davis and Trippier were out out wide quite a lot, and they just weren't getting anything. And Ericsson, mm. as you said, Ericsson or Ali would be passing it sort of centrally and keeping it quite central, which is bad when it was such a congested midfield. You've got to stretch them. And no one at Spurs yeah. tried to do that. With loads of space, and there. that's it. Mm. That's it as well. Against the back three like that, yeah. take them into areas they don't want to go. I, I just, nice. I didn't feel Ali and Eriksson did that enough. I don't. I don't think they got into the positions like I said to you, like you know, on the podcast last week. That kind of gap between what would have you know turned out to be kind of Alonso, um, as Pelaqueta and. Bakayoko, that kind of triangle there, that's where the space is. Ali, the space between Rudiger, Moses, and Kante, that's where you, that's where you had to attack. I just didn't feel there was enough of that. There weren't enough penetrative runs beyond Kane. It was all kind of, kind of, you know, tippy tappy football really around the 18-yard box, and it just wasn't enough. What, what other problems did you feel Spurs encountered on on Sunday? Wanyama again you, you mentioned him there about a lack of fitness he didn't have his best game did he it was so reminiscent of Anfield it was unbelievable it was pretty much identical I think at Anfield he gave the ball away didn't he for quite an important breakaway as well Do you, I found that interesting because against the midfield three of Kante back Yoko and Louise and at home home from home Surely there's a bit of a kind of onus on on you to get the ball and spread those passes and you know dictate the play and dictate the tempo of the game and it just never really never really materialised. And it was it was so different to to last year's match against Chelsea. Absolutely at home, where Wanyama absolutely bossed it and completely played Kansai out of the game. And may, maybe he was he was put into the team based on that 
and based on how he did better Kante last year before he was fully fit and we're not we're not we're not completely short of options in in that area we've got Dyer we've got players like Winks and Dembele if we want to do something a bit different and obviously he played alongside Dembele but yeah I, I just didn't it just didn't really work it, he just wasn't Wanyama do you, do you think Conte not surprised Pochettino with his tactics but surprised Pochettino with the way that he lined up the tools that he did have at his disposal yeah possibly he kind of referred to it afterwards Pochettino like, you know it kind of said about their defensive nature and how they didn't play that way last season and someone kind of put to him oh did you uh, you know are you trying to say that the champion shouldn't be that negative and he could see he was like he wanted to say yes but he just couldn't and he goes oh no no just that they're playing in a different way which is their right but it was a great you know the question was quite valid you know should the champions of England be setting up to just nick a point away from home obviously ended up getting more it worked yeah it worked yeah exactly they did have a depleted squad though they did um, transfers. Let's talk about transfers because I think. Yeah. I think, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, quite. Um, and and we can come on to Wembley in a bit because I know we've got we've got a, someone that was in the press box at Wembley and someone who was in the crowd at Wembley. So I think yeah. it's only right to have a little bit of a conversation about that. But in terms of transfers, obviously there's been uh, confirmation post podcast last week of the Vincent Sanchez um, arriving at Spurs. And their second summer signing, um, which has prompted a fair bit of reaction, <laughs> I think it's fair to say, um, in Paolo Gazaniga. Um, so another goalkeeping option after Paolo Lopez's departure. Um, Pochettino promised four signings. Are we going to say that those are two of those four signings? Oh, if you're a Spurs fan, you'll be desperately hoping Gazaniga is not part of the four. Davinson Sanchez is looks to be a typical Spurs signing in yep. terms of young player, uh, very highly rated. I think Barca wanted him last year and he didn't go because they wanted him to start in their B team and all that sort of stuff. Um, he looks a great prospect, um, and I suppose relative fee-wise, it, it's actually not as crazy as some of the sums we've seen thrown about this summer. Um, yeah, but Gazaniga, the new Gaza. Um, I feel sorry for the guy because... If I'm going He's to spec- hide into nothing. He is, and if I'm going to speculate wildly, this was done weeks ago, and it's just been sitting there. Clearly, Spurs have gone. Oh, don't make this. First. We can't. We can't. The poor guy's going to get crucified. And I think they've seen the Rooney announcement today of his retirement and thought, quick, quick, throw out this announcement. Maybe the fans won't beat. But it's just like Spurs fans. Honestly, they're putting F five, F five, F five on the Spurs official Twitter feed. So. He's, he's still, and you know, Spurs needed a third goalkeeper. We, um, you know, you go past Vaughan and you've got Brandon Austin and uh, Jonathan Deby. Is, is Austin ready? No, not in any way at all. He's, I think, he's just turned eighteen. He's a good shot stopper, but you would never throw him in the Premier League. And a player like Gazanik has got to be signed. He's made what twenty plus appearances for Southampton. He's played in the Premier League. He may never play. Um, Spurs fans will probably be hoping he doesn't having seen some of the ricks he's made on YouTube if you go and have a look at those but in the case of an emergency you are going to want him over a young Brandon Austin type yeah. he's got that experience of or non-experience of uh, being a third keeper or reserve keeper for a Premier League team but last season he played regularly in the Spanish second division mm-hmm. so that, that's got to be beneficial as well and 
there's talk that he's a mate of Pochettino's, so yeah. so why not? Well, it's not been touted as a mega deal anyway, is it? It's very much a... It certainly hasn't. No, no, it's mad. So what happens next then? Where, where do Spurs go next? Do they... I think we would probably all three of us agree that another addition in those two rolls off Kane is surely a priority. Pace. That's what I think Spurs really lack in those areas is just a bit of pace. What are you talking about? We've got Sissoko. Well, maybe. Despite the rumours of Juventus today. <laughs> that would be the uh, the strangest uh, move ever from Tottenham Hotspur. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a strange thing. I would say a lot of the people linked with Spurs have not been pacey kind of players. I think Balde, I think he's got a bit of pace about him. Yeah. That's one that's been knocking around. Oria, um, who obviously we're going to move on to, he's he's got a turn of pace, but obviously he's more of a, as well, certainly a right back. Yeah, it's a strange one. I mean, Ross Barkley, you know, and Stan Spurs are still interested in him despite the, the injury. But no, there's not, not a lot of pace. I think um, Zaha was probably the main one, wasn't he? And then obviously signed that deal early in the summer and yeah. pretty much put pay to all of that. What do you want? What do you want from the remainder of the want? transfer window, Steve? <sighs> to be honest, I don't don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm I would say I'm happy with with the team. Um, but if you bring in a player that plays behind um, behind Kane or sort of attacking midfielder, who? <laughs> who drops out of the team when you've got San Eriksson, Delhi, Lamella about to come back in about Lamella, a couple of weeks time Sissoko there's yeah it's a bit, bit saturated he, he didn't play too badly when he came in on Sunday uh, yeah. he was fine he was there just to clarify <laughs> listener, that was an actual sound effect <laughs> that derived from Ali's mouth so there you go um Okay, Serge Aurier. Let's. He he feels like a bit, you know, sort of the elephant in the room. Really, he has probably divided opinion among Spurs fans more than any other transfer target this summer. And I think there are some that would very much like Ross Barkley, and some that probably wouldn't. But Aurier is a different case altogether, and that obviously he's had previous grievances, to say the very least, um, as a PSG player. Um, he doesn't appear to fit the Pochettino profile in any shape or form. Yet, there are fans that believe that he will offer a European Champions League pedigree proven you know, addition to this squad. So where do you stand, Ali? Can I be slightly controversial? I, I'm Please sure do. on FIFA he's an awesome <laughs> player. And you know, I'm sure his ratings are in the high 80s and all of that on there. And I think Spurs fans have been so starved of transfers this summer, I think they're now maybe clutching at everything. Sadly, I also think Spurs are. Spurs are interested in the player. Um, obviously, they've got all this issue with the appeal over... It's, it's actually the fact that we're actually talking about this shows that kind of what kind of deal it is. Um, his appeal over assaulting a, a police officer, which he was convicted for and he's trying to get overturned. Uh, the fact that they've got to wait for that and... I mean, I did a pros and cons of signing him today, and I tried to fill out the pros as much as I could. But you know, anyone that looks at that on the on the website will see that the cons were just enormous <laughs> compared to the pros. He's an incredibly talented player. He is. He's athletic. He's athletic. He is as close as you're going to get to re-signing Carl Walker, I suppose, in terms of the player he is. 
but just you know you just look back at the various instances we have it everyone's going on the homophobic comment um, angle the things he said about Laurent Blanc in his periscope which he's since apologised for and kind of say oh well, you know people change but the thing is that's great but that's one element of what he's actually done in recent years we've had uh, yeah, we've had falling out with teammates. We've had um, slit in the throat gesture during an international match. Although I should point out, he also saved another player's life during that match. Um, he was swallowing his tongue. He has insulted referees on social media after matches. He there was a in was it May Mar- no March this year he was called to come off the bench in a game and didn't have his kit on underneath his tracksuit. Had to go back, come back, get changed. Honestly, this is not a guy who is... It just doesn't fit the Pochettino mould in any way, shape or form. And we know from previous experience, Adebayor, Kabul, people like that, who reportedly were dissenting voices and were strong in the dressing room, he got rid of them. It sounds like he's going to bring another player like that, which for me is madness. Does it seem like a signing for signing's sake? Yeah, possibly. Maybe a fear over... Is Trippier, you know, like we said earlier, you know, are we losing that Walker element, the option, the other option to Trippier? Because if you sign him, that's a statement signing, really. Not just because it, you know, it's probably going to be a 20 million plus fee for him, it's going to be a player from Paris Saint Germain, but also it's a statement in that they are, they are admitting. They're almost admitting to taking a gamble by by bringing him in. Yeah, well, we say about signing from Paris Saint Germain. It's, it's a player Paris Saint Germain want to get rid of. You know, there was a quote from Laurent Blanc that I put in there. Just how you know, I took a chance on this guy two years ago, and this is what's happened with him. And it's just Barcelona been linked with him. Arsenal, you know, there was a photoshopped tweet, uh, photoshopped photo of him with a Arsenal kit on, which he then retweeted. And all these big clubs have been sniffing around and haven't gone for him. There's a reason why. <laughs> but then, if we want to sign a player of his quality, he is affordable because of this. He is. <laughs> do, is that? Do we have to go for it just because uh, that's the only way we can get a player of that quality? But what, at what cost to the it, team? Yes, yeah, the team spirit. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's such a gamble. I think if Pochettino, if we do get him, and Pochettino's wanted him, then we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, if you see signs, what yeah, happens, definitely. How surprised are you that they? Because I know in previous podcasts you've you've mentioned that it would be a. You'd, well, you'd be stunned if it happened. So. <laughs> but then Sissoko happened, and that <laughs> made no true. sense to me whatsoever at the time. And this he was, as, not to the same degree as a troublemaker, but was a player that, you know, people had to really, really motivate to get going, and hey. If Pochettino feels that he's a player that he can absolutely transform in terms of his character, then well, that's what I was going to say. Do you, do you think he sees it as a project a little bit? And in which case, you have to question why he would want to take on a project within his, you know, his own big project of making Tottenham Hotspur title contenders on a regular basis, which he's, you know, started to get in motion now. Maybe it's a short-term look. Maybe it's uh, if we can bring this guy in, get a great year out of him, maybe challenge for the title, uh, maybe get bring in a couple two. If he's a nightmare at the end of it, we'll move him on, but he'll have taken us to another level. Maybe that's the thinking. I don't know what it says to Kieran Trippier, though. Well, yeah. I, I was going <laughs> to say, the, the, there would surely be an expectation that he would become the first-choice yeah. right-back, which... Massively. 
given uh, obviously as well as announcing Gazaniga today, Carl Walker Peters has signed a new deal, which is yep. was met with probably fair to say some slightly nicer responses from Spurs <laughs> fans. Yes. Um but again it's gonna probably and it's a difficult one because we've spoken regularly about it. it's going to risk pushing his development back slightly. Well, it will. It will. I mean, he suddenly becomes third choice, which he was before with Walker, and you can see it ended up being an anonymous situation where he just has to go out on loan because there's no alternative. But yeah, we're trippy at it as well. It's it's mad. I mean, Pochettino made such a big deal over the summer of saying, you know, and well done to him for challenging so hard, getting his head down, working, and now he is our number one. And literally, you get like, a couple of weeks later, and you can bring in a guy who, let's be honest, he will kick up an enormous fuss if he is number two. And he won't expect to be coming in as number two, and he'll probably say that on his Twitter account as he signs. And, <laughs> and the fact that he's played Sissoko as a right wing back, that, I mean, it's looking unlikely unless someone came in with a significant offer, Juve, hopefully, um, <laughs> that he's going to go anywhere. And, and he would have been able to, okay, he would have probably been second or third choice as a wing-back option, but that could have been a possibility. Sanchez has the ability to play as a right-sider, albeit in a four. So does Dyer. So, I, I just can't get my head around it. I, I think there's so many reasons, as you said then, why it should not happen. That, to me, and I, as you've said, it might be that because of his previous, you know, indiscretions, that this might be the only way that he he becomes affordable in the market at the moment. But to me, it just seems nonsensical. This deal, it really does. I think there are bigger priorities for Tottenham in their team right now. I don't know what you think, Steve. Yeah, I'd... central midfield as well. I I I I think they need a central midfielder and a player off the front man. Those would be the two areas I would I would strengthen personally. I I think we need somebody that can come on and pose a goal scoring threat which we we don't always see some came on the weekend and in the in previous games he has posed the threat he didn't really he looked unfit as well yeah um with his uh, way down arm as well <laughs> with with Lamella as well he's been out for a significant period of time it's that going to take a while yeah that yeah. It, yeah we suppose fans can't expect too much too soon from that and I think it buys into what I've said so many times on this podcast previously of having that competition and that feeling of, you know, if Ali does go on it, you know, obviously he scored against Newcastle on the opening day and was that kind of driving force in the second half. And Ericsson, you know, has to be the standout across the two games, without a doubt. Um, but I do just feel they need something a little bit different. They need a bit of pace there. As you said, Son doesn't look particularly fit yet. Uh, it's going to take a while for Lamella to get there and I, I, I just think I mean on Aurier if it wasn't Serge Aurier and it was another right back would you approve of them going for another right back because I mean it would still mm. probably displace Trippier it would probably still push Carl Walker-Peters back so I think there's so many options there we've already got so many options and, and like you say with Sanchez Sanchez can play right on the, um, on the right hand side in a four Walker Peters as a wing back is protected by a three in defence, so that's even easier as as it was for him to go in there. It, it's yeah, it is purely deals come up, someone in the club has thought, oh, that is a bargain, and they're going to go for it. And well, they're going to go for it if they can get the uh, get this court case kind of overturned. But 
Would you yeah. have got? Would you have gone for someone like a? I mean, they were linked with players such as Jeremy Toljan at Hoffenheim. Would you have gone for someone like him who could have come in and possibly has played on both sides of a back four, has played both wing back positions, midfield? Would you have gone for a more versatile squad option like that than someone who is primarily looking to fill one position? Before Walker Peters had done it at Newcastle, yes. And now he's proved he can swim rather than sink. I think you've you've got to give the lad a, you know a chance as a backup. Okay. Um, other transfer news: one Foyth. What's the latest there? Um, uh, from what I understand, no change to kind of what it originally was. That Spurs are hopeful. Um, certainly, the reports in Argentina are all saying that he uh, has always wanted Spurs throughout the whole process. PSG came in, obviously tried to offer a little bit more money. Um, and I think Estudiantes would have been happy with that, but I think the player kind of had his heart set on going to Spurs, and so I do think I do think that's well, going to happen under Pochettino. Exactly, of exactly. It's a, you know a fellow central defender, fellow countryman, and um, yeah, I think that one will go through. Like we were kind of saying off air before this, whether that will be one of the four or not, because I think he's very much seen as one for the future. Who? could come through later in the season maybe if he's played a couple of EFL not EFL was it Caribou Cup matches yeah um, I mean Spurs fans would pray that it's not going to be Gazaniga <laughs> Sanchez Foyth and Aurier you would assume I mean that's the be... nightmare scenario really surely well yeah you know was it two seasons in a row Spurs have had the best defence you really don't want your transfer window to be dominated with three defensive signings there's, there's got to be. I, I, I just have this feeling there's a surprise one coming from somewhere. I just do because it, it's you know we've looked at all the other clubs, Chelsea, Man United, people like that. Their targets have been so clear and obvious throughout this window. With Spurs, it's pretty much just been Barkley, and I just feel there's something they're working on that may be slightly under the radar. And we'll have it first here on Football London. <laughs> Very nicely done. Lovely plug. Um, just very quickly then before before we wrap up and sorry to go back to Sunday but we're <laughs> going to go back to Sunday um, from, a, from a fan's perspective how did you find it on Sunday first game at Wembley um, obviously Spurs have kind of become open to criticism um, over the, the drummer on the PA um, what was your take on the, the whole day from a fan's perspective on the drummer, I, I'm going to be quite controversial in saying I think it was fine. <laughs> um, it brought the atmosphere up, which it was meant to do in times when it was a bit quiet or that Chelsea were, the Chelsea fans were dominating the, the noise in the stadium. So I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit cheesy, but it worked. It had its desired effect. What did you think of the, the atmosphere amongst the fans? I, I, did you, did I, you think it was... Yeah, I think it was all right. Uh, at the beginning of the match... There was a bit of singing and then flags. One, yeah, the flags. Flags are always good. Um, uh, after we scored as well, um, good atmosphere with the singing until <laughs> until they until uh, the pin in the balloon. Yeah, that's right. I I think it was great that um, there was a bit of we're the park lane, we're the shelf side, back and forward, yeah, getting, awesome. getting the getting uh, the Paxton involved and the way that White Hart Lane was sort of transposed onto onto Wembley I think it worked out quite well with the both the upper tier lower tier um, getting involved with all of that um, yeah it was it was a good atmosphere beforehand bit rushed I got there about um, half what was it four o'clock kickoff got there about half three 
and the queues outside were ridiculous and uh, I didn't get into the ground until about uh, 10 or 5 minutes before before kick off and yeah it was a bit of a rush with plenty of people outside so got caught up with some Chelsea fans on the train as well which is nice. always fun but on the way back no on the way oh right and okay yeah you don't really want to get into any trouble with them they let you and get on the train did they well we were on the train first um, we're, I, I was thinking of pushing, pushing, pushing them off <laughs> but yeah it yeah, it, it was a good atmosphere. The only the only trouble is coming from Essex, and I think where a lot of the a lot of Spurs fans come from, it was a bit of a pain to get to. Yeah. Um, and it, we didn't get back. Was it finished just before six o'clock? Didn't get back till gone eight because of the whole Wembley Way stuff. But overall, like, I'm I'm excited to go to go back and uh, <laughs> yet yet to see us win at Wembley. Oh, <laughs> Champions League games off. last year. Um, the first two Champions League games because I was away for the for the third group stage. Well, one one. Yeah, yeah. Um, not seen us winning the cup there. Seen a couple of semi-finals that we've lost. So seen us lose against Chelsea. <laughs> Missing Burnley this weekend. Because you going go. away again. For You've the heard it here holiday. first. Uh, so a resounding victory. Win. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with pretty much everything you said apart from the drummer. Oh, so West Ham. It really was. <laughs> it was the London Stadium recreated. We were all kind of sitting there in a press box and just thought, I said to one of the guys, that is a loud drum. How's that guy is properly giving <laughs> it a whack. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we were kind of looking up, trying to work out where it was coming from. And then you could just tell the crowd with each. It was too regular. You know, that used to get, someone used to do it at White Hart Lane, but yeah. it was quite a while back. And, uh, you know, it was like, first time, okay, fair enough. Everyone would really talk to him at the end of it. It's like, okay. Second time, slightly less people. And then just more people realise this guy's doing this every couple of minutes. It's like what? And then I think it started to get around on social media. It's coming out the tannoy, boys. It's coming out the tannoy. And it just he did one towards the end of the half. And it was just this silence, and no one did a Tottenham at the end of yeah. it. And mysteriously, he disappeared, assassinated, we believe, uh, in the second <laughs> half um, by popular demand. Yeah, pretty much. And there's a photo went up afterwards of the poor guy. I do feel sorry because you know his drumming was excellent, fair play to him, but <laughs> it just was not in the right way. And that should never happen at a football match. Spurs fans can create their own atmosphere; they don't need a tannoy drum, yeah. you know. And when when I when the Spurs got going, that was not awesome. the podcast, the, uh, the well, song. that was awesome. <laughs> when that got going, uh, yeah, it was. I thought you. I thought you were suggesting that people in the ground were ch- chanting for more podcasts, <laughs> which yeah. is great. Like yeah, all yeah. for them. They may well have been. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to go with my football London T-shirt next time and uh, lanyard, mug, yeah. badge, yeah. everything. People worried about the Burnley attendance. From I saw some reports. Was it this morning or yesterday? It's over seventy thousand already sold. It's going you know, yeah. to be another big turnout. Yeah, but to be fair, Burnley's not the most uh, attractive. Of, of matches especially like even last year I mean, at still Lane, so. we've, yeah. I mean we've, we've gone past the 35 minutes mark now and I need to wrap up fairly soon but we've not even spoken about the Burnley game um, oh, yes. let's just get some predictions and why because <laughs> they were so successful last time <laughs> and why you think those predictions will come through I mean Burnley a bit of a you know crash back down to earth against West Brom I thought they were Really, I mean, it was a poor game. The first shot on target in that game was the goal in the 76th minute, which tells you an awful lot about that. But they went to Chelsea, carved out a result, and after after you know Sunday, there will be a few nerves, I suspect. 
among Spurs fans? A few. I'm going to go all out passion. Spurs are absolutely going to tonk them. I'm going to go for it. I'm not scared. I'm normally always really scared with my predictions, which means it's going to totally explode back in my face. I think there'll be a reaction from Spurs. And I think they'll. I think Kane is so desperate to squeeze in a goal before the end of August. And I think it's going to happen in this match. Maybe even a hat trick. I'm going to go that Ooh, wild with it. Wow. I think Spurs will win this 3 or 4 nil. And as I said earlier, I think Trippier will have the game of his life. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Kane get his uh, August goal. Otherwise, we'll have to wait for another year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I reckon him and uh, Delhi. I can see Delhi scoring. Um, yeah, I reckon three, at least. Oh, we're ultra confident. I'm yeah. going to go. Here we go. Go on. <laughs> knock I'm it back. Go knock comfortable it back home win. Yeah. And what but does that mean? Two nil. Two nil. Two nil. Yeah, two nil. I, I think a nice. It's not a bad fixture to get back on track with that. Yeah. Really. It won't kill the Wembley doubts, but it would help a hell of a lot to get a decent win. Yeah. Absolutely. That's about it, I'm afraid. It's it's flown by as per as per usual. Um, but we'll have plenty of coverage building up to the game on Sunday. Um, Ali will be at the game at Wembley. Um, plenty of Facebook lives in the meantime to keep keep you um, entertained. All the latest Spurs transfer news, updates on Serge Aurier, um, one fourth as well. I'm sure plenty to come during the week. So thank you, lads, for joining me again today. Cheers, and. Uh, Best of luck to Spurs on Sunday and we'll speak to you again soon.